It is a blessing to be with you right now. My name is Pastor Brian Shackman, and I'm so thankful that you are joining us. We are located in Glendale, California, right outside Los Angeles. We consider ourselves to be a home in L.A., but wherever you are joining us from, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. I consider it a distinct honor and a privilege to speak into your life during a difficult season. I know it is for me. It's a time that I have questions, that I have doubts, that I have questions for God, that we are all just wondering about what life will look like over these next few weeks, these next few months. But I'm thankful for the opportunity to center all of us on the Word of God and help us to think about the fact that God's Word gives us some instruction for what it looks like to live in times like this. So this morning is Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday celebrates uh, throughout the world the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So I want to read from Matthew chapter 21, a passage that helps us to think about that as this moment is occurring. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. As Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, those who are there are in this moment of worship. And I think it's because they have this expectation of what this means. Jesus is coming and that's good news. This is the son of David. So let's remember the fact that he is connected to David, Israel's great king. We expect that this means he's going to come in glory and sit on a throne and be powerful. And hey, when we're out here worshiping him as he enters the city, maybe that means he's going to have a a nice position for us once he actually is running the government. We all would love a good government job, right? They all are shouting these words of praise. But they don't really get what this moment means. I know for me, when life gets uncomfortable, it can become very difficult. And being honest, living as an American citizen is a place where we can often just enjoy a lot of comforts. Many of those have been stripped away during this time. But I know for me that sometimes when I'm facing uncomfortable situations or things that are a little bit difficult, it's easy for me to just say, I'm not really interested in doing that. Something that comes to mind for me several years ago, my wife would tell you that I am not very good at working with my hands. And that's probably a bit of an understatement. I'm very not good at working with my hands. And so there was a time that I was putting together some Ikea furniture, and it was actually a pretty difficult piece. And after an hour, she found me crumpled on the ground crying because it was just not my thing. My hands are hands that slave over a hot Bible all week. They're not ones that do that. So now when we're putting together any sort of furniture, I call up a friend and say, hey, we we need your help because I'm going to end up crumpled on the ground if I don't get some help here. For me, I know that if things are sometimes just a little bit uncomfortable, that's when I just want to say, okay, I'm not into that. Because if I'm honest, my life can be incredibly comfortable. And so I can resonate with those people as they welcome Jesus as the king that they're hoping for. Praise you, Jesus. This is going to make our lives so wonderful and great and comfortable. 
please just get into power already so we can relax. So life is going to be easy, that it's just going to be a joyous occasion. Come and take over this place from our Roman oppressors. I'm good with Jesus. I'm often good with God when life is good, when it's comfortable. This season is one that is full of discomfort, right? If you had a chance to talk with a coworker around the water cooler right now, the conversation would be much different. Typically it's, hey, you know, what's new? And you look at each other and there's not really much new. You just stand there awkwardly thinking about something. Maybe you can say something that's a little bit new in your life, but overall it doesn't change all that much. Over these last few weeks, everything's new, right? You wish you could actually be next to your coworker having that water cooler conversation. Everything is different. I was on a Zoom call with a group of pastors, and one of my friends who's a pastor in Nashville, his wife is a full-time nurse. And so he said to this group of us, he said, I just have to confess, I feel like right now with my wife working and spending time in quarantine uh, away from the family because we're worried about her getting the disease. I have to tell you right now, I feel like I'm a a D-plus preacher. I'm a D-plus pastor. I'm a D-plus parent. I'm a D-plus teacher for my kids and just generally a D-plus person. And this is somebody who is an A preacher whenever I've heard him talk, but as he is facing the overwhelming change of his life, he's reflecting what all of us, I think, are wondering, like, how long can we go on like this? Everything has changed. It's chaotic. How long is this going to be like this? What does it look like for me to move forward? This just feels like it's way more than I can handle. We find in Scripture what God does with people when they realize that life at times is uncomfortable. I think of Joshua, who receives this word from the Lord in Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So some context here. The nation of Israel who's been in wandering and had Moses in charge. Moses has passed away and Joshua now receives this call. Joshua has to feel that this is an overwhelming moment. Moses himself wasn't able to lead the people into the promised land. There's no way. This is Moses, an iconic leader, has left. This is way more than I can chew. I was an assistant to Moses, but I could never fill those shoes. God gives Joshua this word, just as I was with Moses, so I am also with you. You have to think about what Moses' calling was like. He hears this word from God after he sees that a burning bush just won't burn out. 
And Moses gives all these reasons. This is why I can't do this. This is why I can't do that. Moses has three sections of life, basically. He starts in Egypt. He kills an Egyptian. He runs to the hills. And he's found a place in the middle of his life that is comfortable. He's on the outside of town. He doesn't want to enter into the city again. He likes his new life until God gives him this call. And he's like, oh, man, I can't do that. That's way more. You're calling me to lead these people out of Egypt and oppression? There's no way I can do that. That's way too big. It's more than I can do. Imagine in that moment the text messages that Moses would send to his friend. Hey, just received word from God through a burning bush with the burning emoji. Call me, please. PLS. Imagine the text that Moses would say, like, please, we need to have a conversation about this. I can't even explain over text what I've been called to do. This is unbelievable. This is way more than I can handle. And Joshua, after seeing Moses lead the people, he would be thinking, there's no way I can fill those shoes. There's no way I can accomplish what even Moses couldn't accomplish. This just seems too much. It's just all upside down. This is too chaotic. How do I even begin to process this? What's the next step that I need to take? I just can't even fathom this calling. But God says to him, just as I was with Moses, I am with you. And Joshua receives that word. And I hope that you receive that word today. Just as God was with Moses, just as God was with Joshua, just as God was with Mary, just as God was with Jesus, just as God was with Paul, God is also with you. During this season, where it feels like we're biting off something that's way more than we can chew, where we feel insufficient to even begin, where sometimes it's just overwhelming. God says to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I'm also with you. Then God continues and says, be strong, And very courageous in Joshua 1, starting in verse 7. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Imagine the text messages that Joshua would be sending to his friends. Just heard I'm taking over for Moses. LOL. Imagine the things that he would be saying. This just seems way too big. There's no way I can possibly do this. It's impossible to think about coming into those shoes to actually leading people to something that Moses never was able to do. How can I possibly 
do this. And what God reminds him of in this moment is, yeah, this is going to at times feel way too big for you. I know, Joshua, you don't think of yourself as that big of a deal yet. I know that as you're in this moment, you think of Moses and all that Moses said. This seems like way too big for you to possibly handle. But let me tell you, what you're going to need to do is lean into the Word of God. Remember what I said to Moses. Remember those commandments. Remember those things. And do not turn to the right or to the left from those things. Allow those to be the way that you set your foundation moving forward. Minimize your fears and think about the foundations of your faith because I've been with people who think they're biting off way too much before. When we think about the will of God, we can often think of it as Should I go and move and do this job or should I go to that place? Should I quit this career and start a new one? What is it that I'm doing? How do I determine this? And we think of it as this tightrope that you're on. And oftentimes I think that God is looking at us thinking, oh, it's more about who you are than what you do. You want to move to Albuquerque and start a new job? All right, go and be my person there. You want to stay in in this city where you're at, in this context, and you want to do this and continue to press into who I am? Okay, great. I can use you there, too. Last week, we talked about gratitude and how important gratitude is. It helps us, I believe, to think in the present moment about the joy that God has for us in a time. We're supposed to be people who are filled with gratitude at all moments. And what that helps us to do is think not about our fears and playing out how things could be bad and how they could get to a really bad level and a long way down the road. What gratitude does is it helps us to center ourselves in the moment and say, God is good in this moment. And so I believe that God is going to be good in the future too. The will of God is about us pressing more and more into the foundations that help us to be people who can be people of courage and of hope. People who can stand up to difficult times and cling not to ourselves and our own strength, but to the strength of God. Joshua is thinking, I've never led people into a promise line before. That sounds incredibly difficult. Moses couldn't even do it. Moses couldn't finish this job. But God says, what you need to do is recognize that I'm going to be with you just as I was with Moses and lean into my foundations, lean into the things that I've taught you. Right now, I think we desperately need to do that. How many of you are on some text thread where you have a friend of a friend of a friend whose cousin works in the Pentagon? And that person in the Pentagon has this really dire prediction of what's happening. Or a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend who works in an ER and that person is telling you. And I'm not telling you there's not things that we should be concerned about. But I think those things are just spreading like wildfire right now. That, you know, my friend of a friend of a friend of a doctor in the Pentagon and all this stuff. And we have this stuff that's just coming at us all the time. And what we need to do is tell our fears what our foundation is. We need to connect to with a message of hope that God gives to people who feel overwhelmed, just like Moses, just by, like Joshua, just like Mary, just like Jesus, that we have our hope not in ourselves, but in what God can do. And as we connect to our foundation, as we think about what the next right step is, 
You know how we get there? By one decision at a time. Frozen 2 is very popular in my house right now. Just do the next right thing. One decision to keep worshiping at a time. One decision to spend time in prayer instead of just scrolling through the news. One decision to trust that God is going to be faithful. Belief that these one small decisions, these things that seem insignificant, they make a difference not only in our own lives, but in the world. I love how Mother Teresa says this. She says, we all can't do great big things, but what we all can do is small things with great love. We can all do small things with great love that right now can transform our lives from the inside out to be people of hope during this time. To be people who connect ourselves to the story of God that works throughout all generations. So may we be people during this season who cling to that message that Joshua gets. Joshua, I know that this sounds like a lot to you. But just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you too. So be strong and courageous. Make my hope, my words your foundation. I'd love for you at the end of service today to go and think about a verse that you need as a foundation for your life right now. What's one that you're clinging to in this moment? That you're reminding yourself of in the morning? That you're reading again at night? The one that you're quoting to your fears as you start to feel anxiety rise in you a little? What is something that you need to say, like, this is my foundation. This is a verse that I am truly living from in this moment because we all need those places. God says to Joshua, what you're going to have to do is remember what I taught Moses. And don't go to the right or to the left from that thing. Don't let those things knock you off. Stay on course. This is unexpected time, and it's uncomfortable. But praise God, we serve a king who didn't show up to Jerusalem for a seat of comfort. We serve a king who didn't hear the shouts of Hosanna and start to let that praise get into his heart and say, yeah, yeah, I really should just go and use my power for my own glory. We serve a God who used every ounce of himself to sacrifice, to be uncomfortable, so that we all can have peace with God. May we not just wave our palms in the air and say the words, Hosanna, Hosanna, when we feel comfortable. May we recognize that the true message of the gospel is that Jesus came to Jerusalem to die, to give us all a sense of peace about our death. In 1948, C.S. Lewis, who's one of the great Christian thinkers and authors in recent history. He was writing about the fear of the atomic age that they were living in. There was anxiety that an atomic bomb could be dropped at at any time, and so people were worried. Perhaps you grew up having bombing raids that would go off and sirens would go off in your town to have you simulate the 
event that perhaps a bomb would be dropped in your city. So you might know the kind of age that C.S. Lewis was writing to. And I have to warn you, C.S. Lewis's words aren't super pastoral at times, but ultimately I think this is good medicine for all of us. And I think as we think about it in our context, we could not just hear the word atomic bomb, but think about coronavirus. He says this, In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Again, not super pastoral. Or indeed, as you're already living in an age of cancer, or an age of syphilis, or an age of paralysis, or air raids, or of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madame, you and all whom you loved were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We have indeed one great advantage of our ancestors, anesthetics, but we have death still. It's perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken to pull ourselves together. If we are to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb come when we are doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Again, it's not the most pastoral thing I've ever heard, but I think it's good medicine for us right now. Yes, this is something that is hard. And at times in the weeks ahead, we're going to feel like we just can't figure out how to work through this. In those moments, may we choose small acts of great love. And may we say, yeah, this is difficult, but I'm not going to let it dominate my mind. And you maybe can't have a pint and play darts with someone physically right now. But you can do it over a Zoom call. You can connect. You can reach out. See, what we're really bumping into right now is reality. It's easy to think that we are in control, and it's in moments like this that we grapple with the real meaning and like the deep questions of life. We can sometimes fool ourselves into thinking that we're not created beings living in a broken world. And what we're doing right now is the world is experiencing this together is we're all mourning a little bit of our humanity. And we're more connected right now than we ever have been with third world countries because we recognize what they always do that 
death is more of a reality than we might realize. Death is a certainty. But as we face struggles and hardships, as we sometimes wrestle with, how am I possibly even going to do this? May we hear the words that God gives to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, even when Moses didn't necessarily believe it or understand it at first, just as I was with Moses, I am going to be with you. So may we choose to do things with great love, even if they seem small at times. May we do things with great love. So as we go about living in this new reality where everything has changed, when things seem upside down, as we're together in very small groups in our homes, may we be found playing games, having fun, creating more meaningful, deep relationships with those that we're quarantined with, and also trying to send messages of hope and encouragement to people who are outside of our quarantine. May we understand that God didn't come to Jerusalem to sit on a throne of comfort so we all could just be comfortable forever. But Jesus, even as he hears the worship around, he knows that he's facing difficulty because ultimately there's something greater ahead. May we let that message seek deep into our bones, that God is a God who works even in seasons when we're uncertain and uncomfortable. Let's pray together. God, we are thankful for the message of Jesus, who even though he rides in and it feels triumphant, he knows the weight of what's about to happen. May we recognize that even in our uncertainty and our brokenness, we connect to a long story of Christian witnesses who have leaned into the hope that we have because of your Son. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.